Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. So I already alluded to uh, Martin. He was he did such a good job. I loved having uh, Irv up here too, the board chair, and then sharing his story. I thought that was so good. And I loved how he highlighted the importance of listening and obeying. Listening and obeying. And then that challenge at the end of what if. I thought that was so good because my brain was already filling in my own bunch of what ifs. You know, what if I gave up blank and could gain something else? I love this challenge on giving up social media and gaining influence with your kids. I think that's a, that's a really good thing to consider in the month of prayer and fasting. So continuing on now, today we're going to look at what is true fasting? Um, obviously, fasting is just denying yourself, typically food, uh, but also other things it can be. But we want to look at, biblically, what is true fasting? And the text we'll be going through primarily is Isaiah 58, although we'll be jumping all over the Bible. Uh, but we'll start just very, very briefly, because I know we have new people here. We've been doing the month, if you're, you know, if you're part of self and you have been for a length of time, uh, the month of prayer and fasting is something maybe you've always done. We're used to it. But if you're new here, you might be wondering, what is this month of prayer and fasting that you guys do? Uh, this is something we've engaged with for many, many years here. We've brought many requests before the Lord. We've seen major breakthroughs. So we invite you to join us. If you're brand new, what is prayer? Prayer is just simply how we talk to God. If you're, if you're new here, maybe you're trying to decide if you even want to follow Jesus. Uh, what is this prayer you guys are talking about? It's not a spell. It's not magic. And it's not a waste of time. It is the primary means by which we talk to and communicate with God, right? So it's a wonderful thing. Communication is necessary for a relationship. If, uh, can you imagine if I, you know, me and Lou were having marital problems, and, you know, so what would be a good thing if you're having marital problems, you know, if we were stuck at an impasse, you go and maybe see a, a marriage counselor, right? Now, imagine me going to a marriage counselor, and I get there, and I'm just explaining how, like, there's no intimacy, relational or emotional, like, we're not connected, like, I just, I don't know what's on her heart, uh, she's never there for me, I feel isolated, alone, and all this kind of stuff. So then he began to ask questions, right? That, that would make sense, he's asking me questions. And suppose the first thing I told him was that I spend zero time with her. I mean, he'd be thinking, well, you guys got to spend time together. And then, then he asks maybe her some questions and me some more questions, and he finds out, actually, she's always available. She's trying to set up time with me. I'm the one who's always too busy to, to set aside time for her. You know, when we think of it that way, when you want intimacy in a relationship, you would say, well, we don't even need a therapist to actually diagnose the problem here. Any one of us can diagnose the problem. Just start spending time with her. She's there. She wants to talk to you. She wants to be with you. She wants the connection, uh, but it takes two. So anyhow, prayer is, is one of the primary ways that we do that. Obviously, there's the word too. Uh, right now, we're focusing on prayer and fasting in this month. And uh, fasting is just denying our appetites is a good way to look at it. Primarily food. And uh, primarily food. Although biblically, you'll also see uh, denying water, and uh, you'll even see sleep sometimes being denied. Jesus fasted sleep. So those are things that we see biblically, but it can include a lot more. If I had my phone up here, I would hold that thing up because that thing is obviously a big computer uh, towards people's prayer lives these days. And so when you have things that are competing for your time, uh, it might be a good idea just to consider fasting those things as well so you can devote time to the Lord. Uh, and that's what we'll be talking about a little bit in this message too, but that, that's what we're getting at is what is a true fast? It's not just denying yourself something for the sake of denying yourself something. Uh, we might call that dieting with food. And that does have benefits, but maybe not the ones you're looking for in the spiritual realm. All right, so th that's what we're going to look at here. So we'll start with Isaiah 58 though. If you have your Bibles, you can read along. I'm going to read along in my new Bible. No big deal, Christmas present. See how it just fell like that? Look at that. It's a preacher's Bible. <laughs> Pretty stoked. Let's see how it goes for reading out of it, though. <clears throat> you ready? <laughs> Cry aloud, Isaiah 58. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask for me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And they ask, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. 
Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer you. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord your God will, will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then shall you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Excellent passage. Um, are there any in here that have read that before during the month of prayer and fasting? Some of you? Yeah, so some of you have, some of you haven't. Okay, so that's a wonderful fast. Now, it might be a little bit confusing right when we start off because he's talking about what a fast is and what a fast isn't. He hasn't even talked about food. I thought we were supposed to, we're supposed to fast from food, and here he's saying, isn't this the fast that I choose? And that's what we're going to look at. So the, the very first point is two directions. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why do we fast, Lord? Why do we humble ourselves before you? Why do we pray and it seems like you're not listening? And so I'm going to use an example that I've used many times here before, at least once anyways. I'm sure I've said it more than once because I like to repeat myself. Um, but it's very simple because I think many of us can relate to this. I think when we really, really, you know, search our hearts, we can relate to the feeling of, Lord, I have, you know, maybe it's not fasting. Maybe it's, Lord, like, I've I go to church, I go to cell, I went to the set free, and you still haven't, mm. you ever done that? Right? I read my Bible, I pray, and you still didn't, mm. fill in the blank. And that's what they're doing here. That's what the people of God are doing here. I have, we've fasted. We did that. We denied ourselves food. I mean, who wants to do that by, by habit? No one's raising their hand, right? Maybe a few of you like to diet in January too. But, but other than that, I mean, most people, we want to be able to eat. And that's what they're saying. We fasted. We prayed. Why does it seem like you're not listening? Why does it seem like you don't care? And it comes down to something very simple. And, and you have to understand first, fasting and prayer is not magic. It's not magic like, do this and you get this. All of these disciplines are there to teach us and help us draw closer to God. And obviously once we're there, there is breakthrough and there is all sorts of miracles and there are answers to prayer and there is freedom in Christ and there is lots of those things that we're looking for, life and joy and peace but they're found in Christ, not apart from him. And so when you look at it like this, the two directions, I just, I'll ask a simple question. Can I walk in two directions at once? Would you like to see me try? All right. It's not so bad, right? <laughs> Let this sink in, because this is going to hurt me more than you. Notice, am I still in the same spot? Essentially, yes. And eventually, oh, it's not going, oh my goodness. Oh, oh, oh it actually hurts. Oh. Oh. There we go. 
May that mental image burn in your mind when you try to walk in two directions in your spiritual lives. You see, like, it's very simple to see. Obviously, you can't walk in two directions at, at the same time. Yet how many times when God calls us to deny ourselves, Galatians 2.20 says, we have crucified ourselves. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? We die to ourselves, and we begin to, to live for Christ. You cannot both live for Christ and live for yourself. That would be the equivalent of walking in two directions. And you'll, as you'll notice, when I started, it wasn't too bad. Like, I kind of felt like, well, I could maybe do this. I'm not going anywhere, really, but it works. But, but the longer I tried to do it, the further I tried to go apart, it not only didn't work, I didn't go anywhere, I actually hurt myself. That hurt physically. It actually did. Physically, it hurt. I'm getting old. It's because I'm, I'm going to be a grandpa. Did I tell you guys that yet? Yeah, now you know. Austin and Luella are having a baby. Whew. Had to keep that secret for a couple months. That was very, very hard. But now, shout it on the mountaintops. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I'm very excited for that too. You can't walk in two directions at the same time. So James talks about this, by the way. Look what it says here. Oh, I missed that. Oh yeah, no, I'll go back here. Go back to Isaiah first. First Isaiah. So why do we see it not? In the day of your fast, you seek your own what? Pleasure and oppress all your workers. Exactly. Two things. They sought their own pleasure and they oppressed all their workers. So they mistreated people and they were seeking their own pleasure. And if we back it up to verse 1, he was already said, he, uh, Isaiah was already declaring to them their transgression and sin. So they were in sin, they were seeking their own pleasure, and they were refusing to love people, but then they went through the motions of the disciplines. I fasted and I prayed, and they're crying out, why don't you see it? And he says, because you cannot walk in two directions at the same time. And it, yeah, no, I already said that. You know, um, when I first started fasting, I would have been uh, young, 20 years ago. So I was a lot younger than I am now, and I remember fasting. We were doing the month of prayer and fasting then already, and uh, I, I was super hungry. I mean, fasting was not an easy thing to do. I tried all sorts of different fasts. Um, by the way, I tried the Daniel fast. Oh, no food is easier than that. Let me just tell you that. Um, it's vegetables only, so I don't know if you young people want to try that, but that's very hard. But I did a no food fast, and you know what happened when you fast from food? Guess what I felt? <laughs> hungry. That was not a trick question. Yeah, Hector knew it. Hungry. Any of the fasters here are like hungry. You know you feel hungry. And then I was agitated and I was irritated and I was tired. So you know what I did? Because you're fasting and praying. So you're, you have physical hunger that then you translate into spiritual hunger and spiritual strength. So you draw near to God because that's what I was doing. No. You know what I went to for life when I was hungry? PlayStation. I went to my PlayStation, I think it was 3 at the time, I think that's how old I am. But it was a PlayStation 3, but I went and I just, I, I did online gaming, online gaming, online gaming. I just wrapped up my time to kind of pass the suffering. Now, what, what benefits did I receive from that fast? Okay, well, zero. Zero is true on the spiritual side, but I actually did receive a benefit. I lost weight, so it was an effective diet. But that's not why we pray and fast. If you want to diet, diet. That's something separate. We pray and fast to, to have a fire lit inside of our hearts, to draw close to God. That's why we pray and fast. And so that wasn't an effective fast that I did. Um, yeah, going back, I already quoted this. James, James talks about the two directions too. You do not have because you do not ask. Oh, we all like that, right? Oh, you don't have because you do not ask. Lord, I want a million dollars because that'd be awesome. I'd pay off all my debt. Now think about I could go on this traveling trip around the world, maybe a cruise, spend some time on a beach. That'd be awesome, right? You have because you do not ask. Oh wait, there's more. You ask and you do not receive because you ask to satisfy your own what? Passions, pleasures, depending on what version you have. Same thing that, that, that Isaiah was talking about, the exact same thing. Two directions, doesn't work, always lands you hitting a wall. Now, by the way, travel and all that kind of stuff, spending money, it's not all bad. I'm not saying it's all bad. But again, what's our motive for drawing near? 
What's our motive for drawing near to God? Isaiah 51, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to the people their transgression. This, all of their sins, they oppress the workers. God wanted their hearts. Great uh, Leonard Ravenhill quote. I went through a bunch of them actually yesterday. I wish I had time for more. But I'll just put one up there, which I, I loved. Everyone wants to be clothed with power, but no one wants to be stripped of self. Isn't that good? We all want to see the power of God. I mean, who in here doesn't want to see the power of God, resurrection power flowing through their life? It's the stripping away. It's the denying yourself. It's that uncomfortable part of, you know, whoa, we were just singing Refiner's Fire. By the way, the, the music this morning, like, I mean, that worship time is basically the whole message. We could have just stayed in there. I'm just expanding on it now in talk. But, you know, we were singing Purify Our Hearts and, and Refiner's Fire, we sometimes sing that, right? And think about it. We're like, yeah, that's what we want. But we don't actually want the fire because it hurts. So we want the power of God, but are we willing to be stripped of self? That's the question. So we have this problem today. It was a problem in Isaiah's time when they were praying and fasting. It was a problem when James was writing in the New Testament. And I think it's a problem today in the church as well. Right? We, we want to see God move. We want to see him answer our prayers. We do. And so we want, like, we'll seek him. We'll do things. We'll check boxes. But it's often down to a transactional nature. We'll do this, so you do this. But we're not actually ready to give him the very thing he actually wants. And that's our hearts. And that goes on to C. I was going to at first put on there, which choice will you make? And I just, ah, oh, forget that. Choose full surrender. I'm going to be directive. Choose full surrender. If you're sitting here and you're wondering, so we're, and we'll talk about what this looks like in different areas. Just choose full surrender. This is what we've been talking about for the last year and a half. That's what a yes is. Right? We talk about, yes, Lord, I will. I was looking at that pottery shard in my office that I've had since 2011. And it just says, yes, Lord, I will. It was a commitment I gave to him then. It's basic, it's simple, but that's what he wants. Yes, Lord, I will. It's not just a bunch of boxes. He actually wants a full surrender. He wants your heart. He wants you. He doesn't want a part of you. Effective prayer and fasting begins here. It begins with the heart. And I'm not saying that's all. You know, Pastor Martin talked about that too, right? We pray and fast to know God more. You might say, well, that's, I mean, yeah, I get that. But I also have a list of things like healing and I want breakthrough here and I'm struggling with this. Yeah, yeah, of course, we do all of those things too. Recognizing though that all of that is, a, is there, it's secondary to the main thing, which is we're getting our hearts right before God. That's the primary. It's the goal. It's the treasure. It's the big thing. So that's what I'm encouraging each one of us to do this month is choose our direction and choose it clearly. Don't just say, you know, I want intimacy with my wife, but then I spend no time with her. We easily deceive ourselves, isn't it true? Right? This is what I want. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm headed. But then clearly I'm going in a different direction. We have to ask those questions. So when we actually surrender our hearts, that's when we're going to find the true life that we're looking for because that life we're looking for, eternal life, abundant life, it is all found in Christ. And he doesn't share, he doesn't share leadership of your heart with anybody. You either put him there or you don't. Recently I had a, a friend of mine reach out to me and he had uh, he was asking questions about an old series that started there, and uh, he was going through the uh, tactics of the enemy about, about forgiveness first, and he was going through that and working through, and I just, I loved his eagerness on working through his own set of offenses and stuff and stuff that he was dealing with in his life. It was great. And a, few, a couple of weeks in, as we were going kind of back and forth, he shared um, that he had suddenly gotten victory over a pornography addiction that had lasted for 15 years. You don't have to raise your hands. I was looking at some of the stats this morning of uh, pornography addiction, even within the church, and still the stats are just astronomically high. They're, they almost mirror that outside of the church. They do. And it's a growing problem, not a shrinking problem. That one, some of those hidden sins, they're not shrinking, they're growing. But anyways, this is a problem he had for 15 years, and he shared with me how he's, he's done the set free, he did the pillars, the conquerors, some of you will remember doing those, and he never found freedom. In fact, he didn't find any freedom. Like, it was as though it didn't help. But he said, suddenly, God gave me freedom. And I said, well, what did you do? Like, what changed? 
Isn't that the million dollar question? What did you do differently? Because we all want that kind of freedom, especially if you have that kind of problem. And he said, all I did was I gave God my full yes. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean your full yes? What did you do? And he said, well, there is this issue, and he didn't even want to share it right away, and he just said, there's an issue that I've had for a long time. Like, it's just, it's a small area of my life, and it's not even related to the pornography thing, but it's a small area of my life that I've been unwilling to give over to Jesus because I was afraid if I gave it to him, he would take it away. And he said, I've been really weighing that, and it's been weighing heavily on me, and I finally just said, Lord, if this is what you want, have it. And he said, the moment he gave it over, he started experiencing freedom. And he said, the side note to that was, the thing he was afraid of God taking away, he didn't even take away, he let him have it. (laughs) The Lord let him keep that area of his heart anyways. But but that's where he began to walk in freedom. And from 15 years of constant addiction, I think he said he had one relapse in the last two months. But his mind is thinking differently, his behaviors are different, his heart, he's he, like he's on fire for prayer, he's on fire for the word, something shifted. And what did it start with? A yes. But before you, you know, write down yes, we've been talking about that lots, you just got to say yes as though it's a magic incantation. Yes, Lord, I will. And now, <laughs> wait for it to hit me. It's a yes that's mirroring something that you're doing on the inside. A, a posture of humility where you're saying, Lord, I don't know how much this is going to hurt or I don't know what you're going to say. He doesn't give us guarantees of what he's going to ask us to do. We don't know. But whatever is mine, I give over to you. It's yours. That's the yes he wants. The full surrender. Your whole heart. So we're going to look at two areas that we can surrender over to God because this is very important that we get this. And and I could have come up with more. I had to cut stuff out of here because I'm doing uh, only one message. But effective prayer and fasting begins with the heart. I can't stress that enough. When you're saying yes, yes, Lord, I will. It's not just, you know, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll work on stopping this. It's yes, Lord. The yes begins with yes, Lord, you have my all. That's, you know, I've, I've said this before. Whatever is your way is my way. That's a yes. Whatever it is, Lord. That's what he's looking for. So let's look at two areas. So the first one is uh, suffering that's outside of your control. Now this one isn't necessarily found in Isaiah. We're going to head back to the text uh, for the second one, and then we'll stay there for the rest of the message. But I wanted to cover another side, because in the, in the text there we looked at, I mean, there were two forms of sin. We'll get onto that in a moment, but sin and mistreatment of others. Um, but there is another area where you might have to, when you're praying and fasting, that you might have to surrender over to the Lord. And that might be an area like this, suffering and pain. And I, I couldn't list every, every type of you know, suffering and pain. And some of the suffering and pain might be in your control. Some of it might be outside of your control. Some of it might be things that have happened to you that, were, that, that you didn't choose. Other things might be a result of things that you did. That doesn't matter for the sake of this point. But what does surrender, what does surrender giving him a full yes look like in these areas? That's an important question. Second Corinthians says this, it says, for we do not want you to be unaware, and I would encourage you, you know, if you're going through suffering right now, if you're in that spot, and I know some of you are, because I know some of you, I would encourage you to go to Second Corinthians, and I would actually encourage you to memorize it. I have it memorized. And it's one of those passages that I review regularly. But the God of all comfort, because you will find there is, there is immense meaning that Paul found in his suffering, that God was teaching him something, but also using it to qualify him to go and minister to others. But I'll focus right on, on, on verses 8 to 10. We do not want you to be unaware of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now, some of you have never felt that before. They're just words you read, right? We were so utterly burdened beyond our ability to endure, we despaired of life itself. But some of you, when I read that, it's personal. You've been there. You're there now. That you despair of life itself. Paul said that he felt that he had received the sentence of death. But that was to make him rely not on himself, 
but on God who raises the dead. There was meaning in there, and if you actually back up further to to verses three to five, you'll see that with the comfort that he got comforted by God, it qualified him to go and give that same comfort to others going through the same thing. But focusing on the make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, that is where the surrender comes. Because that's going to be the wrestling matches you're going through suffering, especially if it's for a long period of time. Do you give in to despair? And I'm not talking about moments. We're going to have good days and bad days, whether you're in something bad or not. We all do. So I'm not talking about moments here. I'm talking about, I'm talking about trajectory. Do we give in to despair? Do we give in to bitterness? Do we get mad at God? Or do we say, yes, Lord, it hurts. I need to meet with you. Yes, Lord, but I am yours. Whatever is your way is my way. And I'm not saying we just accept suffering without asking for help either. God may fix your suffering. He may. Deliverance might be right around the corner. Or maybe your deliverance is when you see him face to face. And that's when you're going to see it for what it was. I don't know. I don't know. But I would encourage you, don't give up. In this season of suffering, I would encourage you to consider Mary, not Martha. Mary. Not tr- Martha was trying to fix things and do things and all that kind of stuff, and that's not all bad. I know there's stuff, sometimes lots we have to do. But I would encourage you to be Martha in this season. To sit at the feet of Jesus, the better portion. To find your strength there. To stay there until he gives you a blessing. (laughs) Don't give up. Philippians 4, we'll talk about this a little bit too, uh, which I love. Do not be anxious about anything. This is a favorite passage of mine. Do not be anxious about anything. Now this could be, maybe it's mental health type of anxiety, or maybe it's anxiety over over the suffering that you're in. How am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to take care of my family? What's going to happen in my future? There's all sorts of things that this can, can mean. And yet, look, look, at the, uh, look at the command here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you've learned and received and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, when you look at that, uh, if we, if you know, fast forward, I guess it would actually be, if we rewound the New Testament into Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, we'd also find that first command there in verse 6 actually is, it's a reference back to Jesus' words, and he said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. <laughs> I love that. It's nothing like when you're in the middle of, an, an, you know, feeling anxious, and I've been there, and you read that, and you're like, oh, great. Do not be anxious about anything. I'll just start that right now. I'll just stop being anxious because it's that easy. Right? Is not life, Jesus said, more than food and the body more than clothing? There's more to life than the things you see is what he's saying. You see your list of all the stuff. You see all the things you can't do. You see all your failures. You see the needs. And he's like, there's more to life than this. Don't give up. That's not condemnation, that's an invitation. It's not just another thing on your list of things that you're failing at. Don't be anxious. It's an invitation into something better, something that is your birthright, your inheritance as a believer. It's an invitation to sit at the feet of the creator of the universe. But it will take practice, that's what Paul said. It takes practice. Just like a relationship takes work, it takes practice. But our part is, is so small in comparison. But he doesn't force intimacy on us. He doesn't. So, surrender may look different in your season. That's, that's the truth. Suffering that's out of your control, my encouragement is don't give up. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, by the way, is not something that's like this, like you're staring all the time. It's, it's more like someone's going to push you from the side, your problems are, and you're going to look and see and gather your feet, and it's that discipline to look back to Jesus. 
It's learning that discipline of looking back to him, of staying connected to him. And so I'll give you a couple of steps here, and there's, there's always an infinite number of steps that I can do. I'll tell you one of the things that I'm doing daily is I practice STAR daily. We talked about that at a prayer summit, I think a couple months ago, um, and practice it together. I do that daily, every day. And I won't go through my whole thing. If I had time here, I would actually show you the whole thing. You might think some of it's weird. But I do breathing exercises. I start my devotions off. I was doing it again this morning at 3 a.m. I was doing breathing exercises. You're like, you're amped up already at three? No, I do it by practice. I practice myself to be still and quiet and calm before the Lord. I do it by practice so that when I'm in the moment, I have an easier time doing it then. Right? If we only ever try these things when you're in the moment of anxiety, it's very difficult. When you do it by practice, it becomes a lot simpler. It doesn't always become easy, but it's more simple. But star, pray and fast. Breakthrough, strength, perspective, stay close to Jesus. I could talk about the word. I have memorized tons of the word, or lot tons, but I've memorized a lot of it. But you know what I love to do? Taking passages that speak directly to the things that I'm learning and going through personally. And I memorize those passages and I review them daily and or weekly, depending on what I'm going through. And then obviously connection with others. You need connection with believers, connection with um, other believers. Maybe you also could be a therapist, doctor. There's lots of things. We need people. Don't isolate yourself. All right, so this is my first one, full surrender. Choose full surrender. If what you're going through in January is suffering that's outside of your control, give Jesus your, your yes. Give him your heart. But now we'll go back to Isaiah in the text because there we were, we were specifically talking about, he started in verse one with saying sin. Proclaim to them their transgression and their sin. That's where he started, right? Why have you fasted and we see it not? He's like, start with their sin. They have sin in the camp. That's why they're not experiencing breakthrough. There's sin in the camp. There's compromise, immorality. And I, I mean, I was starting to list off of what do I not include on there and what do I include on there? But you'll notice there's two categories here. One, there is the bad things we do. Two, there is the good things you don't do. And to be clear, Scripture says both are sin. Very often, it's easy just to focus on don't, you know, don't look at pornography. And by the way, don't look at pornography. So yes, continue don't doing that. But you also, James says, look what James says. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is what? Sin. When we talk the Great Commission or the Great Command, right, go and make disciples of the nation, that's not a like, by the way, you know, for some of you, if you have extra time and, you know, if, if, if it kind of works out that way, you can think about sharing your faith maybe a little bit. Sometimes, if, you know, maybe if you have the right personality and the right gifting and God makes a perfect setup for you, then you can do it. No, he says, this gospel must be proclaimed and then the end will come. It has to go through the whole earth before he comes back. He's longing to come back to establish his kingdom on the earth, and he's given us a part to play in ushering in that kingdom. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of the nations. He doesn't guarantee that it's always going to work out for you. He doesn't, he doesn't give you that. But, but he actually requires you to step out. And it's going to look different. We're not all going to have the same role. That's why we talk about each one reach one. Maybe it's one person. Maybe you just have one person that you're going to impact. I keep almost falling. I don't know what's going on. But anyways, maybe it's one person. Maybe it's 10 people. Maybe it's 100. Maybe it's someone in your cell. Maybe it's someone in the kids' ministry over there. I don't know. Don't, don't over-spiritualize it or compare it to someone else. But certainly render your heart before the Lord and say, whatever is your way is my way. And you've said go, so what are you asking me to do? Certainly do that. Bad things we do, we should also stop doing to the best of our ability. But we've got to give them our heart. So I'm reading Isaiah this, uh, 58 this week and pondering you know, what I was going to preach. And I was thinking about the Western church and I was thinking about our church. And I was, really, I was really stuck on that. Why have we fasted and you see it not? And I thought, what is, you know, what's the, you know, comparison when you compare Isaiah 58, where they were at with their sin. I was looking through the list of the things that God charged them with, what they were and weren't doing. And comparing that with our church and then comparing that with the Western church. I 
And then it broke my heart because there's so many similarities. And it's so easy, right, to get caught up in, in the, like, you only got one life. Live your best life now. If it's not making you happy, then, then don't stay there. If your marriage isn't making you happy, you only got one life. Then leave and go and find someone that makes you happy. If you don't like your job, quit and go do something that you love. And we're just bombarded with these messages to do whatever makes me feel good. And you might say, well, yeah, but that sounds good. Okay, let's pause for a moment the fact that the Bible teaches exactly the opposite. So besides the fact that that's a sinful message, look at the fruit of the world and you tell me if it's working for anybody. Are people happier in the West? We see mental health is going like this. We see addiction doing the same thing. We see marriages splitting apart. Families are at war within themselves. People feel lonely and isolated and trapped. And we're supposed to be living something better, and there is something better for us. You know, in the last few years, I've been troubled by, well, I'm sure many of you have too, because I've talked to you. I have been so incredibly grieved and troubled by the amount of Christian leaders that have fallen into immorality. Recently again, it's, they seem to come in bunches. And from the most unexpected, people that we would think are totally trustworthy. And suddenly you find about sexual misconduct or, or there's an affair or something and it seems to always be along those lines in some way, shape, or form. And what's the result of this? It's disillusionment in the church. People look at that and they say, oh, so you're preaching this, and then you do that? We'll just throw the whole thing out. And people leave their faith in droves, or they change their faith and adopt a Jesus that suits their lifestyle and what they want, and they reject the church, not realizing that in many cases they reject Jesus himself. That's a tragedy. I mean, how can stuff like that happen? How can you have someone that can speak the truth and suddenly just be off? It's like they were walking and they just tripped and fell in front of everyone. These things don't happen in isolation and they don't happen like this. Those kind of big failures always start somewhere and they start with small compromises and sin that remain hidden in the heart. That's always the way it works. You know, we can look at all sorts of things that we're disillusioned by, but, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus actually rebuked the religious leaders of his day. By the way, if you're thinking this is a new thing, it's not. It's not a new thing to see religious leaders fall. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do, for they preach, but do not practice. We could have a whole message and stop right there. Me and Dad have talked about that on, on just the idea of who are you actually following? You got to be careful. Read books, get knowledge, all that kind of stuff, but it's so easy to follow someone that you can't actually see their practices. You don't get to know them. But that's a whole other message. But this has been an ongoing issue, and this is right in the midst of Matthew 23. He's given the seven woes to the religious leaders. My point is, the church is losing influence because of a lot of this immorality. There's sin in the camp. You know, we've talked about going from a Christian society to a post-Christian society. I watched a Rosaria Butterfield uh, interview with Sean McDowell just yesterday, and she was talking about post-Christian. We're past post-Christian. We're, in, we're into an anti-Christian society. And I audibly amend, because we are in an anti-Christian society. Sure, you can have your faith. You have freedom of religion. Have your faith, but don't say it online. Don't bring it to work with you. You better not teach it publicly. Don't tell people what's right and wrong.
Now I'm going against leaders and you're saying, whoa, it's a little bit uncomfortable maybe. Well, let's make it more uncomfortable because is it just leaders? I mean, it's pretty easy to sit in a seat and point a finger at someone else, armchair quarterbacks. I don't know if there are any, uh, sport, any sports fans in here. Armchair quarterbacking isn't not the best, right? I mean, you can sit there. My son's really good at it, but he is actually often right, which is the wild thing. But uh, he has an uncanny ability to know what they should have done. But it's easy to sit in a chair and know exactly what everyone else should have done. Easier. <laughs> Some people are definitely better at it than others. Austin's better at it than me. But it's easy to say, oh, you should have gone for it, or you should never have done that, especially once we know the result, <laughs> right? But what about us? Is the problem just church? Churches, big church? Is it government? Is the problem culture? I'll give you some contrast that we'll think about, and then we'll move on. We look at, uh, we've talked lots about LGBTQ ideology here and trans ideology and how destructive it is. And I'll stand behind that. It is destructive. It's destructive. It'll lead you to death. That's what it'll lead you to. Jesus will lead you to life. But I'm not picking on you because all of us are headed on the path to death and only Jesus can lead any of us to life. It's a message for you and me. But we look at LGBTQ ideology. It's terrible. It's destroying our youth. Absolutely yes. And yet, do you sit here and struggle with pornography? Don't raise your hands. These are all rhetorical. Right? Because we can say, they're the ones wrecking the church, or they're the ones wrecking our youth. Are you part of that problem? Church leaders in government, they waste money. You ever notice that? Some of them waste more than others. Oh, I'm going to, no, I got to curb myself. <laughs> some, some of you are like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching the ones who are nodding their heads. Church leaders in government, they can waste money. They should spend it this way or they should spend it that way. During COVID, by the way, it was so hard to try to figure out. I could do a whole message on that too. I'd love to update you guys someday. But like, how do you figure out what's right and wrong, up and down? It was hard. It wasn't like there was a Bible verse on when there's a global pandemic that is X amount of serious from zero to 10. This is how you respond. And this kind of, that is not that in here. So people are taking different verses and trying to apply it. It was difficult. It's difficult to find the right thing. But you know what I, I did notice? It was very easy to know what other people should do, but it was a lot harder to do that very thing yourself. It's armchair quarterbacking. We do that, right? We don't look at ourselves. We don't examine our heart. We say what's wrong with the world and wrong with everyone else. And then we wonder why God doesn't do anything about it. I don't know. Have you ever compared your uh, prayer time with your... I don't, my phone's not on me, which is a good thing. That's why I don't bring it up here. It would distract me, I'm sure, even as I preach. The thing is so distracting. Anyways, they have this cool little thing on there, your uh, daily time. Oh, what a horrible and yet awesome app or function that they put on these phones. It is shameful. I actually have, uh, sometimes I've actually been embarrassed to myself and the Lord. I'm like, oh, how did I even do that with how much I worked? And then you're trying to figure out, where did I find the time? And yet, then sometimes we look at, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to fast. I don't have time to serve. We don't have time. Or we're not using that time. You're like, okay, that's too high of a burden. Okay, fine. Let's go with the scriptural one that just says pray without ceasing. <laughs> Don't listen to mine that just says swap phone time for prayer time. Let's go with the Bible. By the way, if any of this sounds a condemnation, I don't see it that way. My biggest prayer was, oh Lord, could they see it as an invitation? That's how I see it. It's an invitation. When you die, you live. But getting ready to die is terrifying. What if I die and I don't come back to life? What if I don't get my needs met? What if you do? What if you do? You know, if someone compared your prayer time with your phone time, and then you said, Jesus is number one in my life, would they be confused? I'm at, don't, it's rhetorical again. 
Would they be confused? What if you said, I love all people, LGBTQ, I love them. I love all people. I love my enemies. I love everybody. But then they followed you around for a couple of weeks, listened to your conversations. Would they be confused? Read Isaiah 58. Why do we fast and you see it not? Why do we pray? Why do we cry? And you don't answer. The Lord says, because you haven't given me what I wanted, your heart. And I don't want a piece of it. I want all of it. You see, Isaiah, their problem then wasn't, you know, wasn't just a problem with somebody else. It was a people problem. It was a problem with each one of them. It was a collective problem. Look at this invitation here. Love this passage. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. Oh, pause there, by the way. That's verse 13. We usually start in 14. Who did that? God. Yeah. By the way, you'd say, why would he do that? Looking back to the leaders that I talked about that are getting exposed. I mean, some of them, like Ravi got exposed after his death. And you're like, oh, that's just awful. Why would the Lord bring this stuff out? Well, in the Ravi case, that, that is awful because he didn't get a chance to make it right here on earth. He'll have to be accountable for that to the Lord. It's actually God's mercy to allow us to feel it here so that we still have a chance to turn and make it right before we get to heaven. It's his mercy. But look, when he shuts up the heavens, or when he commands locusts to devour the lands, or when he sends pestilence among the people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, that's a yes, they put themselves low before me. They humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, repentance. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open to my ear. Uh, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. If they humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, pray and seek my face. If why do we fast? Don't fast. I, I want you to fast. We have these commitment cards. If you've never done it before, I encourage you. It's an invitation, and it's gonna hurt a little bit but there's life in it for you. But don't just do a diet this month. Do something more. Give them your heart. If you're sitting here and you have sin in your life that you've been hiding, thinking that no one will find out. Jesus is very clear that the things that are hidden will be brought to light. We've seen those Christian leaders that fall and it's easy to point our finger at them and what they did is terrible. It is wrong. And leaders will be held at a higher standard. I think about that regularly and I ask for you to pray for me. But your sins will also be brought to light Refuse to give in to compromise anymore this month, 2024. You want to make a resolution? You want to say yes? Refuse to hold on to compromise or hidden sin in your life. Deal with it. That small sin will grow into a big sin. And there are people hanging on your nail, as Pastor Ray would say it. That's the sins of immorality. What about the sins of omission, those sins of disobedience where God is asking us to step out? As we go into the month of prayer and fasting, this is my encouragement. True fasting and prayer says yes, that is what it is. We're seeking God first. That's gonna require death. You cannot seek God first and live for yourself. That's two directions. You do one or you do the other. True fasting says yes with repentance. You cannot hold on to secret sin. It will find you out True fast says yes to loving others. 
True fasting forgives. That hurt you're holding on to from that person that's close to you or the person at work forgives without restitution. Forgives. True fasting serves those in need. (laughs) True fasting removes the distractions that keep you from spending time with God in prayer and in the Word. Isaiah 58, 9 to 12. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, Here I am, if you take away the yoke from your midst. That's what we want. Then they shall call and the Lord will answer. Is that what you want? Do we want the Lord to answer? Do we want the Lord to answer? I want the Lord to answer. You shall cry and he will say, Here I am. Imagine the God of the universe saying, Here I am. Here I am, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of your finger, the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for others, hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continuously. Oh, his mercy, look at these promises. And he will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Any of you feel scorched? like you're in a dry desert land. He wants to satisfy that desire and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like the spring of water whose waters do not fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. And this, my friends, is an invitation into the month of prayer and fasting. But let's Let's commit to true fasting, the rendering of our hearts, the full yes to Jesus. Lord, as we move forward in 2024, we just tell you right now, we're, we're saying yes again. I know we say it lots here, but, but this time, Lord, what we're saying in our yes is yes to everything. We're going to turn from that sin. We're going to seek you with our whole heart. But Lord, we recognize we don't have the strength in and of ourselves to do it. So we plead for your grace and mercy and spirit to do this in us as we take stumbling steps forward in Jesus' name.